Why don't you take your Bibles and uh, turn to Romans, Romans 1, Romans 1. While you're turning there, for the past two Sunday afternoons for lunch, uh, somebody has, has bought our lunch. In fact, we had a, a, a really sweet couple last week, totally unexpected. Uh, we were actually eating with them, and they bought our lunch, and we were just so grateful for that. Um, and then today, my wife, myself, and my, um, my father-in-law, we were eating at a Japanese steakhouse. And if you think of a Japanese steakhouse, you're eating with more than just yourself. You're, there's a kind of a group of people eating around. And we were eating at this Japanese steakhouse, and we were kind of slow finishing up. And um, the, there was another group of people that had just left. And, my, um, and the waitress came up and said... Um, your, your bill's been paid for, those people paid for it. And I did not know who they were, never seen them before. So if they're listening right now, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And I just wanted to mention that next week we'll be going to Mark's Prime. I just thought I would let you all know that, give you a heads up. Uh, that's where we'll be. If you take your Bibles and turn to Romans, uh, Romans 1, Romans 1, and I'm going to start... In verse uh, chapter, I'm sorry, in verse 13, and just out of respect for the Word of God, uh, can you all stand for that? Romans 1, we're going to start um, in chapter, I'm sorry, in verse 13. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren. I want to pause for just a minute. Uh, when I was growing up, my, um, my brother come running in my room one day and said, hey, you're in the Bible, Randy, you're in the Bible. I said, what, what's going on? What, how am I in the Bible? He said, right here, ignorant brother. <laughs> I would not have you. I don't think that's what that's talking about. But now, I would, um, now I would not have you, ignorant brother, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is the righteousness of God revealed from the faith from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then it changes, it changes completely the attitude, and listen to what it continues to say. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who would hold truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown, had showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain, in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, 
and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God has also given them up to uncleanness through the lust of their hearts, their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, Lord, I, I want to come to you, Lord. My, um, my heart, Lord, is, is heavy on this issue, on this subject tonight. Lord, I just pray that you will take this, this broken vessel, Lord. I pray you will use it tonight. I pray, Lord, that um, your people will hear your message, not mine. And, Lord, I just pray that they will respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. For the past few weeks, we have been doing uh, worldview classes, or we've been having some lessons, basically around biblical worldview. And I want to just kind of share you share with you my heart of why I believe that worldview is such a big deal today. As a Christian, every single thing that we do in life should be based on God's word. You see. This book right here that I have before me has the answer to every issue in life. It's there. The problem is many times we don't, we don't read it. And just another side note, I want to thank the teachers for being able to actually decipher those lessons and actually teach them. Um, you have, you have, you're my heroes for actually pulling it off. You all did a great job on that. One of the reasons that I think that God... Has, has spared America, and I say spared America, is if you go look out through the history of our nation, there has been several great revivals um, in America. I think of um, one of the first great revivals called the Great Awakening, as many has known it. It was in the early 1730s to the, maybe the 1740s, right during that era. But there were great evangelists of the day, uh, people like George Whitfield, people like Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley. These people preached repentance and faith in Christ alone for their salvation. Oh, they were of several different denominations, but these great preachers, these great evangelists, went from area to area. This, this revival actually started in Great Britain, and it moved across Great Britain, and it went into America, and it moved across America. And these men of God had one message, and it was salvation by faith and faith alone. They preached holy living. There were sermons out there such as sinners um, before an angry God, and sermons on justification, and repentance and faith alone. And by the way, um, these people, these evangelists, preached salvation was a free gift to all who believed. They preached on, on hell. They preached on hell that it was a place, a real place, a place of torment, a place where a sinner would end up and spend eternity in a place called hell. 
It was a place of brimstone, of fire, gnashing of teeth. It was a place that was preached about that's not long, no longer preached very much in pulpits today. They, they preached, and there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came upon. Um, when they would walk into a building, they began preaching. The conviction was so great, so tremendous, that people fell on their face before a holy God, and they asked for repentance, and they asked for salvation. Scores and scores of people um, accepted Christ as their, as their Lord and Savior. There's another gentleman that, that started the revival. It was a movement in the Great Awakening, and it was a guy by the name of Shubal Stearns. Shubal Stearns was a Baptist preacher, and he was instrumental in the revival in the, in the South, and it was also known as the Sandy Creek Revival. Thousands and thousands of people accepted Christ as their Savior. Thousands of people and churches rose up in the, in the South. Uh, through this revival movement. There were several revivals in America. Another revival was during the Civil War, of of all times and places. It was a revival where military people got on their face before God and got right with God. Thousands of soldiers came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ directly from this revival. One of the darkest times in America, and a great revival broke out. There was another revival later on in the, in the 20s, a guy by the name of Billy Sunday. A lot of you recognize or would know him. Again, thousands of people came to Christ. Um, in one 10-week term in the Boston area, one and a half million people actually came and heard Billy Sunday. And guess what? That was before Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff that happened. One of the things that Charles Finney said, and he he said this, and it was during this, this evangelistic time in the Great Awakening, this is what he said. He said, if there's a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press, if the public press lacks moral discernment, that's not happening today, is it? The pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in Christianity, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in the halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If our politics become so corrupt that our very foundations of our government are ready to fall, the the pulpit is responsible for it. One thing that I, I, I have noticed just because of, of what I, I've done over the past few years, I've been to many, many churches across this, this great state. And this very issue has come to life like I've never seen before. I am so, so thankful for this pastor and this church. And sometimes you don't see that until you actually experience other, um, other churches. There is this on Tuesday. There's a there's legislation. Actually, the session, the state session of Florida, opens on this coming Tuesday. 
And one of the jobs that I do is I start going through and perusing through bills. And there are several bills that um, are of great, great concern. Now, I'm going to say this um, unapologetically. There are two political systems in, in, in America. And you can call some independent parties and you can call some other stuff. But there's two. The Democratic Party, I would ask you to read the Democratic platform and to say, is this something that I can do? Is this somebody, is this some, some platform that I can agree? And oh, by the way, take this book and compare it. Take away your feelings, take away how you feel about something, and take this book and compare it to that platform. Then I want you to take the other party, and I want you to do the very same thing. But here's the problem that I have. I'm going to give you an example. There are several of these bills out here, but I'm going to give you an example of one of them. To get a piece of legislation passed, you have to have the vote from both houses, okay, the Senate and also the House. You have to have both of them. The bill has to match, and when both of them pass it, then they take it to the governor, and then the governor makes a decision to sign it or veto it, and if there's enough votes, that can be overridden. There is a bill right now. It's HB. That's House bill. 703, it has a companion bill, meaning that there's another bill identical to that in the Senate. And it's called an act relating to education in public schools concerning human sexuality. The bill goes on to require schools to teach sex education and no longer teach abstinence. Now, basically what the bill actually says is you can teach abstinence, but the basis of this bill is to teach sex education. I'm going to do my best in a mixed company and a party to try to explain very generally what that means. Because sometimes as Christians, we don't see the attacks that Satan is putting on our kids. The bill goes on further and it basically gives statistical data that infers absence-based education does not work. Let me, let me share something with you. <clears throat> absence-based education works. Absence education works. Absence education works. You know how I know it works? I don't have to have a statistic to show that to me. That right there tells me that it works. You see, what happened is, in 2010, the federal government has been funding absence education for a number of years. And what happened in 2010, that a study came out and said, oh, you know what, absence education actually works. But if you Google this, okay, Google absence education, and, and you will go through probably at least a hundred different sites and it says it doesn't work. Okay? Organizations such as 
Planned Parenthood, like they would know, says it doesn't work. Um, other organizations, um, such as Journal of Ethics, I, I, actually, if you, if you go back to Romans and about how everything just gets turned upside down, I'm paraphrasing that, but this is what's happening right here, okay? Journal of Ethics says, these programs are unrealistic and dangerous. Psychology Today, that's, that's an interesting read, calls them harmful and unethical. Then you go into some University of North Carolina, calls absence-based education scientifically and ethically flawed. Columbia University, absence-only education is a failure. I'm not going to be nice to public schools today because this is the kind of garbage that they're pushing out to our young people. This is the kind of garbage that they're teaching. Now, I'm going to go back to this bill, and I'm going to try to be real careful and try to explain exactly what sex education in schools today um, consists of. We do not actually have sex education being taught in public schools in Florida at this point. That's the reason this bill is trying to get pushed forward. But this is what it says. I'll give you an example of that. <clears throat> and the only thing we could go on is basically the way the bill is written is it says that the Department of Education would be responsible for, for, for the curriculum in this. So <clears throat> all we'd have to do is go to some other curriculums to try to figure out what they're talking about. And in the bill itself, it says that, <clears throat> that um, I'm going to read this just to be careful not to say something that's inappropriate. The bill further goes on to give statistical data and first absence-based education doesn't work. And students need to talk, need to be taught all aspects of the subject, including various forms of unnatural behavior. These are my words, but because I, I cannot really reveal their actual words as being just presented. So the student can have be better informed and better protected when being involved in such behavior, including LGBT, XYZ and blah, 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 whatever it's called this week. New York State has legalized over 30 different types of gender. Now think about that for a moment. Um, I thought it was like Adam and Eve. I, I, I thought that was like 30 different types. And then if you discriminate or you accidentally say something that's inappropriate, not realizing that it's one type and not the other 29, um, you, could, you could actually commit a misdemeanor and in some cases a felony. State of New York. The sex education in public schools in other parts of our nation are so vile and full of debauchery, I couldn't even discuss it in a crowd. It is so disgusting. It is so vile. It's, it's over the top, over the top. And our society is pushing this harder and harder and making it more and more acceptable. Why it's blaspheming our holy God.
And here's what I, I, I ask. Where is the church? Where is the church? We are heading on a, on a, on a road to destruction so, so quickly. And where is the church? Bills like this should never even, even be presented. It should be completely, just completely destroyed. When culture does not honor, encourage, and facilitate the morality presented in Scripture, there will be a consequence. And Romans 1, if you go to 18 through 32, that is the consequence. That is the consequence. God has revealed his truth clearly and forthrightly. When the result that no human will ever be without excuse, when it comes to understanding this truth, when humans ignore this clearly revealed truth, God gives them over to behaviors that are ultimately self-destructive within their own nature. There's another bill, and I'm just going to mention it tonight. That is, um, that's a bill that basically requires mandatory vaccination of what's called HPV. It is a virus that um, some forms of that virus um, is actually an STD, and that is the purpose of them making mandatory vaccination of all children. And within that particular bill, it basically says all public schools and any school that accepts any type of funding of any kind is what it says. And again, it's something that's being pushed that um, it's morally, morally wrong. God has made his world has made his world with established ethical standards. If humans follow these common grace standards, his common grace blessings will follow. If people choose to ignore God's common grace standards, there will be obvious and there will be clear consequences. As our dysfunctional culture ignores God, his his clearly established boundaries for morality, there will be a tragic, tragic consequence. For that reason, there is sexually transmitted disease. There are teenage pregnancies. It is the teens and the children that are born of such pregnancies that will suffer for this. There's a tragedy of these statistics. You see, Congress can't pass enough laws that would change this. Social workers can't simply pass out condoms and expect behavior to change. The Department of Education or Planned Parenthood can create instructional videos and expect a changed behavior. There needs to be a fundamental change. And that fundamental change comes within the human heart that sees the things the way God sees them. It's the worldview. We are a sin-depraved people, depraved people, And we need a Savior, and his name 
is Jesus. I was looking at some other bills that are, are of this nature and just trying to figure out what to do about some of them and how, how to position. And by the way, I talked about the political party. There are some of these bills that have sponsorship on both sides um, of the aisle, both sides. See, it's our only hope is the families in our culture to saturate ourselves in God's word and his standards. The heart of our dysfunctional cultures, it's not a cultural problem. It is actually a spiritual problem. I saw one of these, um, I I saw an article and I actually verified it um, because CNN put it out. I had to verify it. And in this article, it was talking about, and it was, a, it was an article that they were proud about. It was an article about the federal government, the um, health department of the federal government has funded a university to inject fetal tissue, that means babies, just in case y'all needed to know that, into mice. And the term is they're calling them human mice, but the purpose of the study is to try to develop something that would um, be some type of an antidote or something that would help cure HIV or AIDS. How disgusting. How disgusting. How far are we going to go? How far are we going to go? You see, God cannot cannot continue allowing America to stand with this kind of stuff going on. Kids need their parents. Kids need their parents to teach them God's word. Churches need to be a support for that. And that's the only way that we can turn America down in this this standard for behavior. It was about I think it was about three years, pastor, I think it was somewhere in that neighborhood. I sat down with a pastor, heavy, heavy, heavy hearted, just just broken for America. Because I could see what was happening because of, of the, the world I was in, the political world I was in. I could see the inside workings of our government. I could see and realize where this great nation was heading. It's bankrupt financially. I don't see it to be recoverable. I just don't. I I see the morality, I mean, so, so denigrated that I can't even imagine. When I look at God's judgment time and time again through through Scripture, I'm like, where would America fit in there? And just so heavy, heavy hearted. And I realized that the United States of America was was basically on life support. And God had just, I believe, I mean, it wasn't some divine revelation that came in, but I just believe that God just put this burden on my heart. And I remember the pastor asking me a question. He probably doesn't remember asking this, but I, I do. He asked me, he said, well, how long, how long do you feel like America really has? And I said, you know, if, if God doesn't do something miraculous... I don't, I don't see us lasting, surviving 18 months. I really don't. It's that bad. 
unless God gives us some type of a stay. And that was, that was just before the election is when we had that discussion. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think, I think God has given us a stay. I don't think it's a long stay, but I think it's a stay that God has given us. And if you look at the politics, if you guys are, I know some people are, you know, they, they'll get on the news and they'll sit there and watch news 24-7. That's rough, man. I'm just telling you, I can't even do that. And I'm in that world. But if you do that and you see what's going on, you're like, wow, we're in trouble. We're in really big trouble. And it's not just political trouble. We're in trouble because God's judgment is going to fall. I have imagined... And I go back to scripture, and I think of, of what, how did, what did God do? What, how, look at the people in the Bible that God used greatly. And I think about the disciples. It was 12 men. And I pictured, I pictured like 12 chairs sitting in the front here, 12 chairs. He used 12 men, broken men, broken men. Look at Peter. Look at Paul, broken men. He used 12 broken men, and he turned the world upside down for Christ. 12 men. And I think, Lord, what, what, could we, what, what does America need? What, what, what does America really need? And we just went through a revival services, and, and there was some, you know, there was some, them, some really tough just things that, that the, that the evangelist talked about and he preached on. But what does God really need? Well, he needs, he needs me. He needs me. He doesn't need me, that some arrogant guy that walks around and, and thinks I know everything in the world. He needs somebody broken. He needs somebody broken. And I just wondered tonight, and I'll give you some, some ideas and some ways that we can help fight this, because we have to. We have to fight this. But before we can fight, before God can use us, he needs a vessel that's broken, that he can remake into something great for Christ. And tonight... This isn't like a, a, this is a message that, I'm going I'm to be honest with you, I didn't want to do. And the pastor approached me about it a few days ago, and I just, honestly, I just didn't want to do it. Um, I want a feel-good message. I want to do something that's, you know, that's, that's engaging and just something that's just a feel-good thing. But I also started just fighting with it and fighting with it. And late, I think it was Friday night, I don't know what it was, I think it was Friday night. Might have been Saturday. Jonah came to mind. He made a joke this morning about Jonah. It really came to mind. It's like, Lord, if I don't, if I don't share what you want me to share, I mean, I don't, I don't get swallowed by a fish, but I want to be used. I want to be used. That's all we need. We need people. God only had, only used twelve people to turn this world upside down for him. How many people can God use tonight? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, your head bowed, your eyes closed.